some statistics on African immigrants to Europe and the amount of crime they commit. And what are the three things that make you a middle-class American? And why have you traded those three things for a cheap TV? Coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. Eh, what do we got to talk about? Um, politics, not much to say. In two days, we'll see uh, what is up. I just listened to Slate Money talking about China again, which something I talk about. You know, I think, I'm not sure all the things I talk about, but I talk about politics, talk about crime, talk about economics. And I have about 50 listeners, you know, basically 40 to 60, depending on the episode, which is probably not enough listeners to justify doing a podcast if you didn't enjoy doing it. But I like doing it, and that, that, that's just enough. I think that's the minimum. If it was like 10 listeners, I don't think I'd keep going. But I just thought I'd say some podcasts are more popular than others. And I would say like crime stuff, people like that. Politics, people, you know, people are lukewarm to that. And then economics, which unfortunately is something I find interesting, people don't like those ones. If you name, if you name a podcast economics, <laughs> people skip it. So let's do some crime stats here. I just heard, what is it? Um, 70% of the violent robberies in Paris are done by non-citizens, not French people. I think you can basically say people of color. I mean, that doesn't even... Sorry, people of color. That doesn't even let people of color off... The rest, the rest of the stuff is not done by white people. That's done by people of color who are French citizens. France has a weird thing where they do not allow statistics to be collected based on race. In France, race is not a thing. I think maybe religion also. If you live in France and you're a France citizen, then you're French and the government is like there is nothing else to distinguish one French person from another French person. Again, you know, maybe except for wealth. So 15% of people who live in Paris are, it's basically immigrants. And you know, these are not Mexican immigrants. They're, I don't know, I guess African immigrants. I think they're North African immigrants. So they're kind of like Arabs, kind of, I think a lot of them from Algeria, which I think Algeria is kind of a mixture of kind of like Greek people and Arabs and maybe black people. But in any case, if you commit 70% of the violent robberies and you're 15% of the population, then that means that immigrants commit about five times as much violent robberies as a normal French person. Well, a French citizen. And if you could further break down French citizens into people who moved from Algeria to France, or, you know, whose grandparents moved from Algeria to France 100 years ago, and now they're French citizens, but they're not, you know, they're not French citizens like their family's been there for hundreds of years, who knows what. That would probably be almost the rest of the violent robberies. I mean, it's just like, why would you ever commit a violent robbery? Me and none of my friends have ever done that. I don't know anyone who's committed a violent robbery. I know people have committed a lot of crimes, but that is definitely not one of them. So, anyways, certain people like to commit violent robberies, people I don't know, and for some reason it always turns out to be people of color. Makes me think, Jesse Jackson, who was like Martin Luther King's right-hand man and became a politician, and then Chris Rock, they both talked about this kind of thing. Chris Rock has a skit that I I believe he stopped doing it because he's like, this is uh, reinforcing negative stereotypes, but he had a pretty long skit that was pretty damn funny that was like, I forget what he called, you know, he's like, there's blacks, and then there's, you know what, 
And he's like, you know, a black person opens up a nightclub and then the you-know-whats come in and fuck it all up. This is why black people can't have nothing. And the skit goes on involving crime and stuff. And then Jesse Jackson kind of famously made a statement. This must have been the early 80s or I don't know when. But he's like, sometimes I'll be walking down the street and I'll go to an ATM to get out money and I'll hear footsteps behind me and I'll get scared and then I'll turn around and see that it's a white person and I'll be relieved. Thank God. And you know, everyone's gotten the memo nowadays. You don't talk about that stuff today. But anyways, people used to speak the truth sometimes and I guess if you're black, you don't get canceled. You know, if a white person said that, 20 years, 20 years afterwards, you could still probably cancel them. And a similar thing is going on in Spain with rape. I mean, I'm sure violent robberies are the same too. But anyway, Spain has like a national statistics institute, whatever. It's like the government stats thing, organization. And so they accidentally, um, <laughs> they accidentally looked at all the stats broken down by race and immigrant status of rape in Spain. And what are the numbers? So immigrants are 15% of Spain. They account for 46% of rapes. So that means uh, immigrants commit rape three times as much. And then if you break the immigrants down, like where they come from, so African immigrants are 2.4% of Spain, and they do 19% of the rapes. So I guess the African immigrants, they're like nine times as likely to rape someone so i don't know i could go on that spanish thing goes on and on and on with all sorts of different stats but i think right there we're just going to call that the spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down so there's your crime fix i guess i should add you can run the numbers just like that in america and get all the same results pretty much i mean roughly similar well that's not true the immigrants that america gets don't are not the same but other things are the same so the new Slate Money podcast is talking about globalization and in the mix is talking about China. I guess the overall thing, they had some lady who wrote a book. I mean, we will see what happens, but she thinks that, you know, instead of America buying everything from China and, you know, maybe China buying all their oil from Saudi Arabia and blah, blah, blah. That's globalization where you just get all your, you know, all of this comes from there and all of that comes from this other place that um, she called it the rule of four that, you know, like say you want to talk about oil, like there needs to be at least four places you can get oil. And then, you know, like cheap electronics, like China produces, like there needs to be four places in the world where you can get your cheap electronics. And the reason why is because if that one place goes down, like China's screwing itself over with um, their COVID policies, making our lockdowns look like nothing. It's like, well, then where do you get your flat screen TVs from? So, you know, so things need to be diversified. And apparently companies are getting the hint that they need to diversify the supply chain, basically. The supply chain is usually just from one place to another place. There may go through a bunch of things in the middle. But now you need to have multiple starting places and multiple ending places. And so we'll see if that happens. But she was saying that, like, you know, like right now America is putting the hammer down on China trying to bend them over a barrel uh, about trade and economics and then specifically computer chips. I did a podcast on that. 
But apparently China started it in 2015. China came up with a thing where they're like, we're going to sell crap to the rest of the world, and then we're going to keep everything good for ourselves. I mean, to put it, you know, to oversimplify. And like Slate Money, the podcast, it's super woke. Everyone is woke, pretty woke. Some of them are crazy woke, and just some of them are medium woke. But they have repeatedly said it, um, that the Trump administration has actually done a lot of good stuff as far as economics go. Like, you know, it has nothing to do with Donald Trump. Donald Trump didn't go in there and like, I'm an economics professor, and I want to put a tariff on this, and not a tariff on that, and blah, blah, blah. Like, Donald Trump probably has zero input, other than he, I don't know, whoever was whispering in his ear, they're like, hey, hire, hire the right person to do the economic stuff. And he did. And so Slate Money will praise what he did. And Biden is keeping up, you know, the stuff that started under Trump, Biden is just keeping it going. Like, you know, whatever. If you think Trump always messed up, well, apparently the Biden administration doesn't agree because they're keeping it going. Like I say, Slate Money is woke. So they got to be like, Trump is an evil monster. But you know what? That economic thing he did was awesome. You know, and I've said it before, but like there was two stimulus bills each at $2 trillion each. One was under Trump, and Trump was going to do another one right before the election where he lost. And Nancy Pelosi said, no, we're not going to let you do that second giant stimulus bill because you're going to win the election. And so basically Biden just did the Trump stimulus bill. Maybe, you know, three months later. And it's looking like that's the cause of inflation, but, uh, I mean, whatever. Biden did it, so I guess Biden can take the hit on that one. He did do it. Trump was going to cause inflation, but he didn't cause inflation, or at least not as bad, not that bad. And then Biden had a chance to rethink the policies, and he's like, let's do the same thing. Inflation it is. And then this lady said another thing that was interesting. I'm trying to remember the three things. There's three things that mean you're in a middle class, because it's like, for the last 20 years, it's like, oh, you can go to Walmart and buy items for dirt cheap. I just bought some um, silicon-covered tongs for cooking, which means you can use them on a nonstick um, pan. And you get two of them for $3 at the local store. I mean, cheap, 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 cheap. And, you know, they're going to work fine. But to join the middle class, there was three things. Oh, I remember. So education, health care, and buying a house. So if you can afford to get educated, if you can afford your health care to have good health care, and if you can afford to buy a house, then that means you're a middle class person. And so, kind of since the early 70s, and also especially in the last 20 years, uh, you know, rich people, rich people in power in America said, fuck that, fuck those middle class motherfuckers, we're going to bend them over a barrel. And, you know, they sent all the jobs to China. And so the result was, we all have cheap stuff. Like I say, I just, I just bought a bunch of cheap stuff and I love it. But, anyways, the middle class dream is dead for a larger and larger percentage of Americans. Twitter handle at Anti-Woke Podcast and thanks for listening.